Hey, good people. This is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I just listened to some YouTube content, my second for the day. Um, that is about understanding the ENTJ versus the INTJ. Um, a few, about a month or so ago, I did it, or I don't know, but recently I did another one another reflection on ENTJ versus INTJ based on some content by a guy. I don't know his name, but this is the first time I'm processing the difference between the ENTJ versus the INTJ based on the perspectives, the perspective of this person who calls herself the INFJ inkst, INF, INF jinxed. Something to that effect. I've I've talked about her before. I don't think I said her name because I don't think I have it right. But anyway, so I just listened to uh, her content. And um, like I told you guys, I'm trying to get out of my head as it relates to work. And um, it's not easy because my mind is building a lot of, it's networking right now about problem solving. And uh, so it's not an easy thing to step out of work. So just going to YouTube, looking at, looking for content that would be engaging mentally so that I can push my work processing to the backdrop and think about other things. So I can have a weekend, like so I can really take a break from work. So I stumbled across her content, um, ENTJ versus INTJ. And I don't think that's the exact quote. It could be INTJ versus ENTJ. But um, so she said a few things that caught my attention. I've been studying Myers-Briggs uh, for over a decade and I've been mastering cognitive functions for about five years now. So while I don't bill myself as an expert, I feel fairly confident in it. <laughs> so anytime I run across content that gives me new information, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And so that's what she did. So I want to do two things. I want to process new information or just kind of a new angle to um, my thinking around the INTJ versus the ENTJ. And then I also want to dabble a little bit into the the job shift that I had because I think that's a perfect way for me to really interrogate this juxtaposition between the INTJ and the ENTJ. Because I'm in a role right now that makes me look fairly ENTJ-ish based on how we describe ENTJs. Um, so I want to just interrogate that a little bit. Okay? All right. So if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. It's a diary or a journal. And I do so primarily by using personality theory, the two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8, and I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. As a playful identity, I identify as a critical race feminist, which helps people to understand that I have an intellectual sensitivity for power as it relates to social constructs like race, gender, class, sexuality, etc. This project is unedited and is unscripted.
And if you want to know more, you can go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. We're under five minutes. That's good, y'all. So um, I didn't take any notes, so I don't know how that's going to work out. So I didn't take any notes. I'm going to freestyle this for real, for real. Um, one of the things she said, and I want to go look this up, is this idea of ENTJs being considered controllers and INTJs being considered finishers. <laughs> that, that is good. That is a perfect way for me to situate myself as an INTJ at the end of the day. A finisher. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I, I need to, I need to read, a, I need to read more about that. Um, so let's just talk about how I look, I, how I look ENTJ right now. So I'm in a job where I have to get results and I have to do it through people. I have to do it through individual people and I have to do it through teams of people. And that, I don't want to say it's not fun. I don't want to say it's, I don't definitely not saying it's fun, but I, I'm not ready to say it's not fun. It is enticing because it requires me to understand people as a system, as a human system. And so when I look at the results, the, the outcomes, the goals that I'm trying to achieve, and I have to do it through people, then I have to see people as part of a, as a, as a conglomerate of, uh, of, of abilities, of, of utility. There it is. I have to see people as utility. And I know that's not, that's not a very F.E. thing to say, but F.E. is not in my ego stack, so I wouldn't say it, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to be appropriate. I'm, I don't mean to be inappropriate, but so seeing people as a system of, util, of utility, as a, there's another word I'm looking for. Yeah, I guess a system. A battery of utility. I don't know. Anyway. But in addition, or not even in addition to seeing people as utility, underneath all of that, underneath it, above it, around it, more than I am seeing structures. I see the way to get that thing accomplished is by way of structures and systems. So in the organization at large, I'm starting to be understood as a systems thinker. I shouldn't say I'm starting to. A couple of people have seen that about me, but now more people are starting to see it because now this particular position is putting me in front of more people and they see, oh, she's systems. She's a systems thinker. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a structures person. And if I, I don't, I believe that in order to put a system in place, you got to have a structure for that system. So not only will I think in systems and I'll put a system in place, I'll put a structure in place to protect the system to get the result. And I do that pretty effortlessly. Pretty effortlessly. So I can sometimes scratch my head and go, well, that's very T-E. That's an extroverted thing to 
extroverted thinking thing to do. I could put it together a system in my sleep. I don't mean to sound gross, but I can burp up a system. I really can't. It's just nothing. It takes nothing for me to do it. But in all fairness, that's not because I'm T.E. Tom. It is because I'm T.E. Auxiliary. And this, this, that's, I've never thought about this. I've never thought about T.E. in this way as though it is my strength because it's in the secondary position. I would think that a T.E. dominant person would be stronger. But in terms of finishing a thing, achieving the outcomes, that auxiliary TE is stronger. What do you guys think about that? I'm not trying to put words in this lady's mouth, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of telling you she's inspired my thinking. I am not regurgitating back to you what she said. That's not my job to do that. That doesn't really make sense to do that. But her, her content inspired some thinking. And now I'm, I'm, I'm running with it. And that also makes me think about me being an introverted, intuitive dom. And why I may not, and why in the past I have not been as confident in my dominant function. Because I'm supposed to be, right? I do that easily. And so I'm, she's got this, this particular content lady, <laughs> this content lady, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but INF, INF, INF Jinx, INFJ Inks, I don't know. Um, she's got me wanting to study archetypes again, because you guys, I've, you know that I'm interested in archetypes from a Jungian perspective, and because I think I'm interested in it because it helps me to better understand my approach to spirituality. I think that there's a correlation between how I do spirituality and what archetypes are as it relates to Carl Jung, but I'm not, I'm not well versed in it. So she brought up archetypes, if I'm not mistaken. And I guess she, she mentioned this guy, John Beebe. I'm, I've mentioned him before. I've not studied him, but I have talked about him before because I think if I'm not mistaken, he's the person that looks at cognitive functions in terms of a six function stack. Whereas Myers-Briggs looks at it through a four-function stack. And so she said that through the BB model, you look at these archetypes. And I think that's where you get the parent, the critic. I have tried to talk about that. I think that was my episode. It's an episode I did around December. It was somewhere after December 22nd and before December 30th. So it was some episode in there. And... um, I fumbled in that because that's not something I know. But anyway, so I'm not going to try to unpack that. So I've known for a long time now, for a few years now, that TI is my critic. So I've done an episode on NI versus TI. It's one of my first two episodes in this this project. TI is important to me. I think that's why it's a because it's it's a thinking function, and because I'm the I'm a t I'm a thinking parent, or I have a parent thinking function. 
or my parent function is a thinking function, I'm interested in both of those functions. Excuse me, I'm, I'm interested in both of those traits or functions, outward and inward, extroverted thinking and introverted thinking. I just do extroverted thinking more and I have proficiency there. It's a strength. Introverted thinking, I don't have it. So when I'm in the presence of a TI user, I can feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> and it gives me anxiety. Or if I, And I've been thinking about doing a reflection on anxiety. I'm not sure if that's the right word I want to use right now. But it gives, it gives me some kind of feeling, if you will. Because I feel like I have to make a point. I have to be on my game. I'm just a little more observant of my what I call what I call accuracy I'm more I'm more critical like is that true and I'm fascinated by TI users I think they're some smart folks I really do I don't bill myself as being smart I believe I am but I don't talk about it I feel myself as being effective or insightful more than I would say being smart but anyway, it's this idea of having that parent function, which is second. God, I hope I'm right. You guys, what if I'm totally wrong here and then I'm, and the whole time you're listening to me and you're going, you are so woefully wrong. I think it's because the dominant function is the hero function. The auxiliary function is the parent function. Okay. Now, there's a barking war happening around me, so just bear with me. Um, I feel like I've just gone in a couple of different directions. I'm trying to bring myself back. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. Um, so let me just try to back back up a little bit. So TE being a parent function, I'm more aware of that as a skill. I have more awareness of it. And I feel really, really confident as a TE user. I don't feel, I feel like there's nothing I can, there's nothing I can't do. <laughs> and it's so funny because when I started doing karaoke, um, I grew up being, I was in a professional dance company when I was a teenager, a young, a, a preteen to teenager. And my sister, when we were younger, she was a singer. So karaoke to me was just a perfect place to play singing because I'm not the singer. My sister is a singer. And I put myself in some voice lessons. I maybe did two or three lessons, but I haven't had the money to, to linger in voice lessons. I need to go back and do it. But I've learned how to, I feel like I've, I sing better. I've been doing karaoke now for 10 years. It's my 10 year. It's 10 years now. I've been doing karaoke. This is fascinating. And I know I'm up to 60 songs that I can just walk into any place and just sing it. And I'm proud of that. Because <laughs> I remember when I first started doing karaoke, I knew only one song. My very first performance song was Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman. <laughs> and, uh, and then I ended up having three songs. And those are no matter where I went, I just did those three songs. And so, of course, it's built... It's up to 60 now. I still have my favorites, but, and it's fun when I go into this one place and I let the DJ 
or he, they're called the KJ for karaoke jockey. And I let him pick my song. Like he, I let him read the room and he'll determine what song people will really want to hear and I'll sing it. And I won't know until I go up there <laughs> and they hit and uh, he, and the music starts playing because I'm fairly confident now. But when I first started, I mean, I was, I was petrified. I mean, um, I was, I was just afraid, afraid, but my family didn't really know me as a singer. So I remember people in my family going, is there anything, the reason I'm telling you to talk about singing, is there anything you can't do? Or my mother will go, you can do anything you put your mind to. My mother always says that you can put anything you put your mind to. And that's true. I can do anything I put my mind to. So I've been, um, you guys have taught, listened to some episodes that I did uh, at the end of 2020. It was around um, something about a joke. It's it's in the joke, I think. Like, I'm interested in comedy. But not necessarily, I don't think I'm ready to say I'm interested in performing comedy, comedy. But I'm interested in the science of comedy. Like, the delivery of it. Like, when a, a, in terms of stand-up comedians, kit comedians right how they stand up and deliver that joke how the build up to it what actually is the punchline what makes it funny how do you engage the audience how do you read the room like I think I'm always interested in a challenge because it's in the challenge that I then am forced to learn and problem solve it's not necessarily the performance of a thing so a few weeks ago I went I was um went to a place to do dinner and they had a comedy school going on in the, in the other room. Like there's some kind of comedy class and they allowed us to eat dinner and watch the class. And I, I was like, Oh Lord, I felt challenged. Like I felt challenged by it. I do not think I'm a funny person. And there was a part of me that was like, Ooh, could you do that? So the doer and the doer in me, not just, but the challenge of learning something difficult and mastering it was peaked. Like, oh, could I do that? And then I was just have been thinking, but you're not funny. <laughs> At least with singing, I had a little bit of a voice that I then practiced. Can't say that I perfected it because when I go out singing with my sister, she clearly is really, really good at singing. But I'm no longer intimidated to sing after her. Because we have this fight of who goes for first, who goes second. And so, like, it, I like to go before she goes because I don't want to have to follow her because she's that good. But the last time we went and did karaoke, I, you know, I really was like, okay, I'll go after you. Some of my confidence is building in that area. <laughs> so, anyway. So anyway, the comedy thing is like, oh Lord, I don't, I feel challenged in that area. I feel in, I feel intrigued, a little enticed, but I, I really think that's well out of my realm. But there is a part of me that's like, I can do it anyway, anyway. So this, uh, so I'm very, very confident in doing anything I set my mind to. There's just nothing, there's nothing I can't do. And I really, really believe that. There's nothing I cannot do, and I'm very well aware of the double negative, but it works here. Okay, so I, I think that's powerful, this parent piece. So I'm very confident with TE. I think that 
my TE confidence has to be paired with my dominant function. So I would never go into a situation that I have not studied, I have not perceived, I have not imagined me doing the thing. And I would never go into a, I would never go into a, a, a new territory. I would never go into virgin territory saying, I'm a beast. I can do that. I think at my age, I would, if I had to, I would like, okay. But my beast, like the, my, my jam in doing anything is that I first imagine it. I imagine it. That thing exists in my head first. Now, I may not sometimes a thing lives in my head for a long time before I do it. I'm imagining it. And sometimes not. But in all fairness, I'm 50 years old now. And being 50 means I have had life experiences. I've had time to imagine things. And life is, a, to me, a series of patterns and root, it's just a series of patterns. So there's just not many patterns that I haven't experienced at age 50. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. That's not true. But I've experienced a lot of patterns. So I've had ample time to imagine things. So it could look like I'm not spending a lot of time thinking about a thing. I just go and do it. But that's not true. So in the work that I do, I'm 50. I've been doing this work for 30 years. I've been studying it, researching it, and practicing it for 30 years. I do not have to spend a lot of time imagining the thing that I do. So when I am on, it looks, I can look very, I can look T.E. Dom. Because I lean into it fast. I'm just T.E. good. I don't know why that feels important to me. I feel like that's a distinction I'm taking away from this lady. And if she ever listens to this, she may go, sweetie, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it could be. It could be that I got it wrong, but I'm just going to go with it for now. I'm not T.E. dumb, but I'm T.E. good. And I do this joke, there's a song, this rap song, and I'm not going to say, it's, an, it's it, the title's inappropriate, but I've switched out a couple of words, and I'm like, I've got big T-E energy. I do. And that has made me say, well, are you really T-E dumb? No, I'm just T-E good. I'm telling you, this. that has really, that, that piece that this lady has given me about the parent function and being good at it, I really need to study that some more because that to me feels very, that feels like a breakthrough. But I think being TE good is because I have had time to, because I am an NI Dom. Now let me flip this a little bit. I'm 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 totally raw dogging it right now, y'all. Like I'm about to say something I've never processed internally, let alone externally. Let's flip this for an ENTJ. That means that an, an ENTJ is NI good. If if my thinking 
They're not an anti-dom, they're just anti-good. Like, if we're just going to go with that. One of the reasons why I don't think I'm an ENTJ is because I think ENTJs occupy space differently than an INTJ does. And I think that the occupancy is really based on confidence. It's based on confidence. It's based on entitlement. It's based on... And when I say entitlement, I'm like, yeah, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. I'm talking first because I should talk first. (laughs) I'm talking louder, faster because I should do that. And that's how I experience ENTJs. They talk more. They're there faster than I can get there. Like we might be thinking the same thing, but you're going to beat me to it. Now, the interesting thing about it is that when I'm side by side with another INTJ, I typically can speak faster than an INTJ, an, uh, an INTJ 5. I don't know about an INTJ 1, and I'm using the Enneagram with the Myers-Briggs here. So when I'm talking to other INTJs, I feel more voluminous, 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 volume. Anyway, I feel like I take I take up more space. I take up more space, space I talk faster, I can talk louder, I'm more present, and that'll make me go, mm, am I, am I ENTJ? And I, you know, I've said this to you guys before, that in the early, early, early years, my beginning, in the beginning of studying, uh, being interested in Myers-Briggs, I used to say I'm an IE split, IE split NTJ. I'm an IENTJ. I said it because I could see it. I could see myself occupying both spaces. That's not how the system works. We got, we know that. And I've never, I don't, I never tested as an ENTJ. And, but I can, I can sometimes go, ooh. Um, I was talking to someone, uh, I was talking to the wife of the husband and wife team and we talked via Zoom. I think we were FaceTiming each other and I I think it was Face, I think we were Face to Face, I think we were FaceTiming and she said, you have different, you have a distinct energy on you and I was like, yeah, and I said, I'm animated. I assumed I see myself as animated, and she was like, "Yeah, I got the sense there was another energy she was picking up, and I don't know if I really got it, but but she asked me, was that learned?" I said, "Yeah, it absolutely is learned. It's when I go into performance, I go into character. So when I, because I'm not an extrovert, when I'm doing, I'm in front of people, I'm doing a performance." That I've learned because probably because as an educator, I have to be engaging, right? I have to be engaging. I have to be engaging. I have to be a storyteller. I have to do so. I've learned, and then I'm around some extroverts in my family. So I've my mother's an extrovert. So I just have learned. I've picked up some of these traits. Um. So anyway, when I'm around another INTJ, I could go. Ooh, Ooh, there's more extroversion in me. That's what I'll say. And then I had a conversation with an ENTJ, and I talked about it in this episode project. I don't know what episode it was. 
it was, I think it was at the, I think it was at the end of 2020 or at the very, very beginning of 2021. And I said, I can't believe this project has been going on this long. And I, it, I talked on the phone with an ENTJ lady and I said to myself, you will never, ever question if you're an ENTJ again. It was so obvious. It was just so obvious that she was an ENTJ and I'm not. So I think I have just reconciled that the reason I have more energy from INTJs, uh, other INTJs, particularly an INTJ5. Again, I don't know about the INTJ1 or the, I, I do know that the INTJ7 has energy. But I've bumped heads with an INTJ7. And I bumped heads with her because I exercise, I I believe I exercise more dominance than she had because, not because she didn't have the intelligence, but because she probably is more prone, sevens are prone to be playful. And eights are about like dominate, domination, domination. Um, dominating and um, I'm not a I don't dominate as it relates to people I dominate as it relates to systems and knowledge if I have it and if I don't have it I'll shut the hell up so I'm certain she didn't like the dominance that was coming off of me and particularly because she was an INTJ she probably didn't like it and then intellectually you know, she probably ate me to pieces off record. Like I heard that they went and started some kind of group and then I didn't get it. Like, so she knew these people from the group I created and then she went and created another group and then I didn't get invited. That's passive aggressiveness, right? That's just her way of feeling control. I got it. I've been in my body long enough to know what I, how the impact that I have on people as an INTJ. And it was retaliatory. All right. Okay. So, Um, That was just the way that she reclaimed that. And so I have no idea how I was talked about in that space. But in place, when we were doing one-on-one, she couldn't do it. And and she's a younger girl too. So that's another piece of it. I could have been her parent, her mom. That's how big the age gap was. So I think this is the part I don't talk a lot about. I've mentioned it a couple of times. Life experience, like age and life experience, is significant. It's significant. Because I have had time to learn a thing. I've had time to hone a skill. I've had time to reflect, to calibrate on that. I've had time to learn the, the patterns of how people receive me, how they respond to me, right? So I've had time. And all of that becomes data for me to calibrate and, and refine my actions, all of that is important. All of it is. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Other than, oh, I know where I was going with this with the ENTJ. Okay, let's go back to that. I wonder if I always thought the ENTJ was confident and took up more space, was more entitled for that space because of their TE-ness. But what if it's because of the parent function 
NI, the NI parent. Because that NI, NI is a pattern. It's pattern, excuse me, it's not a pattern. It's pattern seeking. It's insightful. It is a knowing function. And when you pair knowing with doing, you can be a beast. I know it. So I'm doing it. <laughs> and that's how I am in my work. I know this, so we're going to do it. But I know it as a dominant function. And I'm now, I'm rehearsed enough to be very confident in taking action. Am I contradicting myself, y'all? Let me think here. Whereas an, an, a TE time, I read this somewhere, that TE doms take action using NI data, but they use NI data to justify the action. They're going to take the action. And they're just going to use NI, their NI data to justify it. Whereas INTJs are going to have NI dom insight, and then we'll go take action. TE doms will take action first, and then NI justify it. But I wonder if that's because they are confident as NI Dom's like, listen, I may not know why I'm taking action, but I believe that that, there's, that knowing is there. I may not be conscious of the knowing, but I believe the knowing is there. And I believe if anybody can do it and know why they're doing it, it is me. So if you give me a second, I'm going to explain it. I can justify it because I'm confident as a knower. That's how I feel about being TE auxiliary. I can do anything. So I can, I can do anything. I just might need time to access it, to get there. And I don't can say, I know anything. I can understand anything. I might need time to get there. So until I'm getting, until I get to the NI, I'm going to take action because I know I can, I can access the NI. I know that that NI is going to be there giving me information. I don't know. I want to play with this. That's really interesting. It's just a really interesting consideration. And again, if you're right now screaming at your listening device like, NIDOM, you've got it all wrong, please do so and be so kind and send me a message, your NIDOM.wordpress.com. Don't have me out here looking ridiculous. Hook a sister up, okay? But I think I'm on to something. Thank you to the INF Jinx. The INF Jinx. I got to get her name right. I feel like there was one other thing that she said that I wanted to tap into. I guess this other thing that she said that caught my attention, I don't think it's not as big as the whole parent, that auxiliary parent. It's the, but I'm going to go to the, the critic, the critic function, the sixth function. I think she said something to the effect that ENTJs are short patient with extroverted intuition. INTJs are short patient with introverted thinking. And I've already talked about the TI. Like, I never considered myself being short patient with myself. I know I can, I never, I never even considered being short patient with other people. I feel like I'm vulnerable there because I'm critical, maybe because, I don't know. But, this idea that that extroverted that that ENTJ is going to be irritated with someone with extroverted intuition 
because they're not be, be, with that function because extroverted intuition is not deep. Introverted intuition can scale down to a level, a depth. It's a depth of knowing. Extroverted intuition knows, but not layered down like an introverted intuitive. Because extroverted intuition is about the knowing across path, across events and patterns and possibilities. But an introverted intuitive is going to scale down into one little nuance of a thing and get very deep. Anyway, that just was interesting to me. Where do you get irritable? And INTJs get irritable in the logic around TI. And I think I do. I think I do. I think about this job. And I, t- uh, I just did an episode on irritated. Irritated. Because I got irritated with somebody in a, in a way that was uncharacteristic of me. Usually I'm, I mask my irritation. I'm pretty good at masking it. But I got irritated and I didn't mask it and that really confused me. So I did an episode on that. I don't know. This, that is a, so just the way this lady talked was like another way to not consider, to not confuse myself as an ENTJ. But I have been. If you saw me at work and since I've got the, since I've been on this new job, the last eight working days, I, that TE is on crunk. You guys should see it. I can walk in. The, <laughs> I can walk in the building, and, and they're starting to stop coming. They're not coming to me, and I got. I'm going to process that. They walk up like I could have four people asking me a question while I'm walking to try to get into my office. They're bringing. They're not asking me questions. They're bringing problems to me, and I'm just putting out fires. Right. Never missing a beat. Never missing a beat. And I was like this before, when I was in a leadership role. I go into a meeting. <laughs> this is not necessarily good. I don't, I'm going into a meeting. I don't have an agenda. I'm making them have an agenda. Like I do want an agenda. I, and let me put it this way. That's not true. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I get, I don't like to be a part of meetings when there's no agenda. I don't have a scripted agenda. I say, this is what I want to talk about. I, this is how I want to, I want us to leave this meeting with this outcome very vision. My agenda is very outcomes oriented, very vision oriented. So how we move about in that meeting is more, is open. So I'm my, Oh, that's another, I should do a reflection on that. How different, somebody should do a a reflection on how different cognitive functions or personality types set agendas. I can do an agenda by saying first, second, third, or fourth. I don't prefer that. I rather focus the agenda on where do we want to land, where do we want to be at the end of the day. And so I just had to move rooms. Um, anyway, um, and then we get there. And then we move about in the in the meeting and, and, and that allows me to perceive, to calibrate, to analyze all so we can get to the, the outcome. 
I'm kind of proud of myself, to be honest with you. And I think, and I said this to someone yesterday, I said, and maybe I said this in the other reflection that I did today. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know if women get to get, if women are able to be recognized in leadership. Like if, if women really get celebrated for their leadership, you don't really hear women getting, getting applauded or recognized in their leadership qualities. You don't hear it. So in the last eight days, I've been in total leadership. Now, one thing I will say about the people who put me in this role, they were like, okay, she's a system person. She's a structured person. She can build structures. They haven't said she's a great leader. But that's, but that's really what I'm doing. And then they're like, well, that organization, that particular site needs a good leader. Well, that's what I'm doing. My weakness, though, is that I don't center people, their feelings. I center people in terms of it as a system of like capacities, utilities. So people are instruments. Are Yeah, they're instruments to getting a thing done. And so I'm not centering their feelings. And that can, that backfires. That hurts me. That makes my, that makes, that's where my weakness is as a leader. But I know I did an episode, I'm referencing a lot of past episodes. I did an episode in the past uh, where I've talked about FE effectiveness, FE leadership. And I just think people who have FE at the top of their stack, they're, they are a special kind of leader. And I think they get things done, but I don't think they get things done through structures. I think they leverage people who can then get things done through structures. But they leverage people and their emotions. People's emotions get in the way for me. They get in the way of my type of leadership. They get in the way. I get clumsy with it. Oh, my God. It's irrational. <laughs> it's, you know, And I, that's where I get irritated. I get irritated there, too. Thank you, T.I., being in the sixth of my in the sixth place but yeah so I've been in this leadership uh, um, I've been in a, I'm, I feel really good about it but I don't feel like I have a place to celebrate that you know I don't feel like there's something I can celebrate but if you listen to the last few episodes that I've done since I've been in that position um, it feels good it, it's who I am yeah. And so I told somebody today, earlier today, I was on the phone with somebody. I said, and I said this to you guys too. This is a, right now, this, I'm on an assignment. This is not a permanent position. I'm on an assignment. But I plan on using this assignment to leverage future positions because I, I have to acknowledge I am a TE. I have a, my parent function is TE. I'm good at it. <laughs> But I'm good at it in a space that I've imagined and I've understood deeply. I'm not just going to do it and then justify why I'm doing it later. I'm going to do it because it's already justified in my head. And then in, when I go in new spaces and I haven't, 
I don't understand the space. I don't TE first. TE comes as in the aftermath of me understanding. Which makes me really good at it. When I do it. So, thank you INFJ Inks. Uh, for giving me this. This is really good. I think I haven't perfected it. If you happen to listen to this all the way to the end, because I think you you did give me some feedback once about, what did you say? Not randomness. Musings. Oh, stream of consciousness. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's my journal, okay? Uh, So if you've reached the end of this stream of consciousness and you have clarification or some insight, I'd love to hear that. If anybody, if anybody listens to this and you see what I'm trying to do here with this idea of the parent function and the INTJ parent function versus the ENTJ parent function, I would, uh, I would, uh, I would uh, love for you to, to give me some input, some feedback, help me out, clarify, poke it. I'm here for it. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, give it a heart. If this conversation about uh, ENTJ versus INTJ, that parent function, that um, the critic function, leadership as a woman, right? Being TE good. <laughs> if any of that relates to a conversation that you've had in the world, please take this link and share it out. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, please, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm distracted in my head. Something is happening. <laughs> anyway, let me focus. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear that. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Let me give you your assignment. I think the question I want to ask you is, what does it mean to be good at a thing? I know back in at the end of 2020, I was doing a series about, I did a few episodes, I did an episode about being good because I was trying to, I was trying to understand myself as a type eight or type one in the Enneagram system. So the question I'm asking you today is not about being good. It's about doing good, like being skilled, effective at something. I'm not going to say efficient. I'm going to say effective. What are you good at doing and why? What makes you good at it? Is being good at it automated? Is it practiced? Is it practiced and rehearsed or is it auto, Is it an automatic goodness or is it a practice and rehearsed goodness? And that's, a con- that's interesting. This is where I feel like the, my contradiction is going with this theory I'm trying to build. Because I feel like I practice a thing in my head, in my imagination. I practice it. So even even if I'm in a new space, I'm going when I do it, I will practice it in my head first. It's practiced. Because my NI dominance can get I can imagine a thing so intently as though it is so. And as a matter of fact, there's any big thing that I've ever had to do in my adult life, ever since I've turned thirty, I did it by imagining a thing. One of my larger, my largest presentations, I had to do it in front of a school board. I went to the auditorium where I had to give that presentation, and I sat there 
where nobody was in there. And I just imagined myself doing, delivering that presentation, that speech. Many times. So by the time I did it, by the time I actually gave the presentation to the school board with this entire audit, auditorium filled, I had already done it a hundred times. I'd already perfected my skill because of my hero function and my parent function coming together. That is such an interesting concept. I'm going to be chewing on this. So I've done two reflections today, (laughs) y'all. I don't think I'm going to do another one today. I might try to kick out one tomorrow. You guys aren't, you haven't been listening to me last few, a couple of weeks. I don't know if that means something, but give me some talk back if it does. All right. I know I've been talking a lot of shop talk with my work uh, just because I just switched jobs. So just, you know, bear with me a little bit. But, um, but yeah, so think about doing good. What make, what it means, what does it mean to do good? Like, what does that mean? And are you good because you're practiced? Are you good because you're automated? Oh, that's an interesting question. (laughs) Anyway, it has been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.